You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you in for Dan Grassa tonight on this Wednesday night. We like to call it a hump day. And Bob Wischusen joins us, the voice of your New York Jets, as we are on the precipice of Zach Wilson's season debut. Bob, what can we expect? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Should I have more information than that? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited to see him play. Uh, I think he's excited to play. Um, I mean, he better be good uh, because they need him desperately. Uh, they've scored, like, zero meaningful touchdowns in two out of their three games. So, look, he's the number two pick in the draft, right? And they've got weapons. I think they've at least moved the ball enough where, you know, if he comes in and they really struggle, it's hard not to kind of shrug your shoulders and be like, well, Zach, like, we need better out of you because when Joe Flacco was the quarterback, in spite of the fact that they had a hard time getting the ball in the end zone, clearly Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, the two running backs, like, they can all play. So he needs, I think, to raise them to a different level um, because they just need more balance on this team. Again, Bob joining us here, 98.7 ESPN. Uh, You know, Bob, very interesting. Uh, You know, even before Zach Wilson hurt his knee, there were reports we had, you know, Rich Semini on the show. We had a number of Jets fans that were out at, training camp who were saying that Joe Flacco was outperforming Zach Wilson at camp. Um, you know, jury's still out for me. Okay. Full disclosure. I don't know if you listen to me on on the weekends. Jury's still out for me in regard to Zach Wilson. I, I don't, I don't know if it was the most wise pick at number two or not. Um, you know, I'm I'm a fan of Zach, of of Mac Jones. I would if if it was if it was me, I would have taken like Kyle Pitts at two, and then probably probably would have gotten uh, Mac Jones later on. But nonetheless, it is Zach Wilson. You know, wh- why do you feel that he has struggled so so much because of the lack of offensive line protection, lack of weapons, or do you feel that he's just so uber raw? Because he, I mean, he did come from BYU. It's not like he came from Alabama. It's not like he came from Ohio State, right? Yeah, and I think all of that. Um, I, I also think, and this is just a larger argument to be made, I think, about how quarterbacks are handled now in the NFL. Um, you know, like Chad Pennington, when the Jets took him, it, as a first-round pick, he sat for two and a half years. I mean, he was halfway through his third season by the time he finally got on the field. Like, that's like the, the stone ages compared to what they do now. If you get drafted in the first round, you play. If you get drafted high in the first round, you usually start the season, like right away. And you also, by definition, being drafted high in the first round, usually start the season – for a bad team. So already the deck is stacked against you. And if you don't immediately produce, halfway through your rookie year, people are asking questions about, well, is this the guy? Are they going to be, you know, like, are they going to have to look for another quarterback in a year or two? 
And that's just not the way that it used to be. Quarterback used to be much more of a developmental position. And we just don't allow these guys to develop anymore. But here's so but that, here's here's my but here's my question to you. But here's my question to you. Where and and, and I, I don't remember. You know where was Chad drafted? What round? Where was he drafted? First, first round. Okay. First where round where where though? Where mid he was, late? I remember he was like in the teens. I mean he wasn't. No, okay. He wasn't like the top, top five pick. But oh, okay, was, but you know, I'd have to go back and look exactly. But but you know again like you know and and, and I use the I, I use the comparison in regard to what I think we've seen happen with the the, the 49ers. In my opinion, Trey Lance isn't ready for the NFL. But because the 49ers gave up the farm to move up to get right. and they selected him, they yep. couldn't go with the quarterback who I feel gives them the best chance to win and that's Jimmy Garoppolo. It just so happens it turns out it is what it is now because Trey Lance had an injury, but nonetheless, you know, I, I feel that that was an organization or front office that was forced to make the change to go to Trey Lance because a, what they gave up for him and where they drafted him. It's different. If you draft a quarterback in the middle round, if you draft a quarterback in the top five, Bob, gosh, darn it. That dude better produce like what, what, what we're seeing with, uh, tr- you know, Trevor Lawrence right now. And, and I truly believe the reason we haven't seen Trevor Lawrence play exceptional football like we have the first three weeks of the season was because of Urban Meyer. Right now he's got Doug Peterson, offensive genius, in there now working with him. They've, they've now they've surrounded him with a lot of weapons. He's got a solid offensive line. So now we're seeing him thrive, right? But, like, yeah, you draft a quarterback in, in the top five you know, that, that that dude better come in and produce immediately. Like, that is what the yeah, ex- but, expectation is. But how many of them do? How many of them come in and produce immediately? Very, very few. And okay, I don't then you think don't. It's because, <laughs> I, I don't think it's because of a lack of ability on, a, on the part of the player nearly as much as it is taking a talented player, putting him on a bad team, I mean, by definition, if you have a top-five pick, you're a bad team. That's why you've got a top-five pick. And you are immediately asked to go in and be the savior as a rookie at the hardest position, arguably, to produce in sports. I just think more quarterbacks are ruined by the way that the quarterback position is now treated in the NFL. And, but I get it, like the media – the fans, oftentimes the owner, there's zero patience. Like they want to see that player instantaneously go out there and do it. And if you look at the guys that have been drafted in the first round and have become stars and have become successful of late, the Lamar Jacksons, the Patrick Mahomes, like Lamar Jackson was drafted at the end of the first round by a good team. That's why they had a pick at the end of the first round. So he's put into a team that was already a playoff team before he even stepped into their lineup. Um, Patrick Mahomes sat a year. Like, as a rookie, he didn't play until the last game of his first year for a playoff team. So the structure around those guys, so much more beneficial than the Baker Mayfields, the Sam Darnolds, now the Zach Wilsons, where, like, some of these guys are just asked to immediately go in and produce on a team that, by definition – you probably wouldn't expect a lot out of. It's hard. 
It's just a really hard ask. And so, like, do I think Zach Wilson can do this? I don't know. I've seen enough out of him to know that he has every tool in the toolbox to be a really good quarterback. But is he going to be given the leash to be able to do it? And is the structure around him ultimately going to be there to get him to be a really good player? I hope so. I think, I think what they've surrounded him with is ten times better than anything that Sam Darnold was ever surrounded by. So I do think that he has, as a jumping-off point, a much better chance for success. But we haven't seen him yet with this group. Like, he's going to be out there this week for the first time with this group. Bob Wishus and joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. You know, another thing, Bob, that worries me about Zach Wilson is, you know, his 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 repertoire, right, is all about his scrambling ability uh, and his athleticism. And now he's got a compromised knee from the PCL last season, and, and now, of course, uh, the the MC the, the meniscus now. And, and granted, it was shaved, but still. You know, I, I would imagine that he's going to come out there and play with a knee brace. I don't know. Maybe you know. I don't know. Uh, but that's you know that that's that's cumbersome and 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 that's that's a really big pain, especially if you're a scrambling quarterback. So that that I've got some concerns there as, as well. On top of the fact that now, you know, now another injury to the offensive line. What 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 are you anticipating from this offensive line as they get ready? Now, thank goodness there's no T.J. Watt on the opposite side of the defensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, this coming week. But still, I mean, this is still a Pittsburgh Steelers team that's going to be able to get some pressure on uh, on Zach Wilson. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, that that has to be their biggest concern this week. Now, the one thing that he can do that Joe Flacco can't do is help himself. Right, like Joe Flacco is a stationary quarterback by anyone's standards in the NFL. So, you know, if you're a pass rusher and you beat the guy that you are charged with beating and you know exactly where the quarterback is going to be at all times, that's a nice feeling as a pass rusher. So at least Zach can spin out and go do some of the things that Joe Burrow did the Jets this past week and maybe go extend a play and make a play with his legs. Uh, but, yeah, you don't want him – but you certainly don't want him going through what Daniel Jones went through a couple of nights ago. I mean, sure. Like, Daniel Jones can run better than Zach Wilson can run and got pummeled mm-hmm. in that game. Got absolutely ear-holed, like, all night long. So you don't want your quarterback taking those hits. I, don't, I would want Zach Wilson running the ball 8 or 10 or 15 times where he's the primary ball carrier. Um, you know, you want to be able to protect him and let him throw from the pocket. So you're right. Like he, he does have the ability to scramble, but the quarterbacks where that's in their repertoire, the Lamar Jacksons, the Russell Wilsons, the, you know, obviously Josh Allen might be the best at it, the, like the most complete package of them all. They're still going to a not have to do it as often as their ability might allow them. You don't want them doing it that much because you don't want your best player taking a bunch of hits. But also, they can beat you just standing back there with their arm when you give them the proper amount of protection. So that, I think, is the jumping-off point. That's the goal, is to to have them back there and be able to just play quarterback from the pocket. But at the very least, he can help himself and protect himself in a way that Joe Flacco can't. And that helps the offensive line, at least on some snaps where they get beat. 
Bob, before we let you go, let's let's talk about the defensive side of the ball and what they're going up against. Mitchell Trubisky, I know a lot of people have been calling for uh, the rookie to play and for Mitch to sit, but again, like I, like if you watch the games, it's not so much Mitchell Trubisky is a horrible quarterback. It's it's the same situation in regard to a horrible offensive line. He's getting less than two point five seconds to get rid of the ball. I don't I don't think if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I know that we've heard. Um, you know, uh, Mike Tomlin come out and say that we're, we're not even considering making the switch. And I think that's wise because you don't want to put a rookie quarterback behind that, that, that offensive line uh, that's, that's going to get pummeled uh, as we're seeing each and every week with Trubisky. On top of that, you know, how do, how do, you, count, how do you counter a great pass rush? It's running the football. And Najee Harris has been a shell of himself. He's only averaging 3.2 yards per carry. I'm shocked, I'll use the word shocked, that they haven't gone to Jalen Warren yet, who's averaging seven yards per carry, Bob. Warren, an undrafted running back, has been a beast when he's been given the opportunity to come in to give Najee Harris some rest. Najee Harris is dealing with a Liz Frank injury. So I truly believe that what we're seeing Trubisky suffer through is a lack of, of, of a rushing game, and a horrible offensive line. The, the Steelers have an opportunity to be able to um, change that narrative, at least in one regard. If they were to go to Warren, I understand the whole idea of Najee Harris, where he was drafted. We, we both know how politics plays a huge role in the NFL. Warren, an undrafted running back. But nonetheless, what are your thoughts about this Jets defense against a very anemic um Steelers offense yeah you know the Jets this past week probably the most disappointing part of the game is how close they got over and over and over again to making a play against Joe Burrow and they could not get him on the ground I mean he spun out and made a play a handful of times that were like game-changing plays Um, I think pro football focus or somebody rated like Carl Lawson has a top five win rate in terms of from a defensive end pass rushing standpoint beating the guy he's supposed to beat to go pressure the quarterback and yet he's got a half a sack so I think that was also why you saw that explosion from Quinn and Williams on the sideline was philosophically he's disagreeing with bringing the blitz where look our front four we're getting there we're putting a ton of pressure on the quarterback if you blitz that gives him a reason and a hot route to get the ball out quick. Don't blitz. Let us go rush the quarterback. You drop seven, and your seven dropping is going to take away those hots and, and give us the extra beat to get to the quarterback that we need so a pressure becomes a sack rather than just it being a pressure. And we're getting our hand on the quarterback, but he's able to get the ball out quick because we're playing man-to-man and he has a hot read because we're sending extra people we don't need to send. So I, I would expect the Jets to be a much lower blitz percentage team this week. I think they're going to let their front four, and I'm hoping as well, and this is just me speaking, I hope they leave their best four on the field for a higher percentage of the plays. I think Quinn and Williams should play more. I think John Franklin Myers should play more. Lawson, I think those guys right now – they, they seem to be so committed to their defensive line rotation 
that I think there are times they're taking really good players off the field for like more of a blow than those guys need. I, I think they could probably give them more. And I think that's probably why also the, you know, you get that frustration from Quinn and Williams, which by the mm-hmm. way, I don't mind. Like I know that that was caught on TV and it was uncomfortable, but like that's the heat of the moment. That's a player that desperately wants to win. That's a really nasty, awesome competitor. And I thought that was great out of him. Like that's, that's a leader standing up and speaking when he felt it was necessary to speak. And so, yeah, I think it, for the Jets to win, there's absolutely no question to help their offense. Their defensive line is going to have to win along the offensive line for the Steelers this week. That, that, you know, and they have to actually, when they get to Trubisky, it can't be the spin out and go make a play. It's got to be get your hands on the quarterback, keep him in the pocket, and get him on the ground. And that was a big reason why they struggled this past week. They just couldn't do that with Burrow. He just got out got out of the pressure that they created and made way too many plays. Um, Trubisky only averaging 4.3 yards per pass play, and the Steelers punting on 50% of their offensive possessions, just FYI. Bob, I, I can talk football with you all night long, uh, but um, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. I don't want to take too much time away from you. Please know how much we appreciate your time this evening on 98.7 ESPN, my friend. Thank you. Anytime, Anita. You got it. Bob Oshusen, voice of your New York Jets, joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Phone lines are open. Um, of course, um, 800-919-3776. Jump on board. You want to talk about the Jets and uh, and their matchup against the Steelers. What are your expectations for Zach Wilson coming up against the Steelers? No TJ Watt. Uh, Micah is uh, some question marks there in regard to, if, if I remember correctly, I think dealing with a concussion, possible concussion. So this might be a Steelers team that might not have two of their best defensive players on the field, let alone we know at least one of them. What are your expectations for the Jets coming into this game? 800-919-3776. Anita Marks in for Dan Grossa tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. And the 3-2. Drill deep to left field. This could be it. See ya. He's done it. Number 61. He's been chasing history, and now he makes it. He and Roger Maris are tied with 61 home runs, the most anybody has ever hit in a single season in American League history.
So Aaron Judge finally did it. He hit home run number 61. Thank you uh, to the Yes Network and, of course, uh, Michael Kay on the call. Great that he was a part of it, rightfully so. The Yankees are up on the Toronto Blue Jays right now, 5-3. to three. Aaron Judge finally hits home run number 63, 61. Sorry, home run number 61 in the seventh inning uh, against Garcia. So, uh, guys, you uh, and, and unfortunately, I, I don't, I, I don't have it on here. Unfortunately, in my studio, uh, you guys were watching. How exci- How exciting was it? Kind of let us live vicariously through you, folks that are listening on the radio. Uh, what kind, kind of you know, share with us the experience. What did you see? Well, in studio, there was a lot of screaming, a lot of yeses, um, some high fives being exchanged by Harvey and I as we watched the ball <laughs> sail over the left field fence. Uh, so very, very exciting times. Um, Twitter's already exploded on Judge's 61st home run. Harvey and I most certainly exploded with jubilance. Uh, it was a uh, fun time to be alive. It, it's a moment that you'll remember for the rest of your life where you were and what you were doing at that very time. And I'm so glad it happened the way it did because it was a full count. And throughout the past few days, the way these things normally go is that they're not going to be on the on the side of history, as you and I mentioned, Anita. And I just thought they were going to walk him to, like, just save face or something like that. But then just, a, uh, I guess, a meatball through the middle and just he lasered it over the left field wall. And if you look at the replay, it looked like two fans tried to catch it and nobody could, and it fell into the bullpen. So um, all that money and all those dreams – uh, turn into nightmares for whoever thought they could grab that home run. Are you serious? The ball fell into the bullpen? Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, if you look into the replays, it looked like two fans with gloves as well uh, try to go over the railing to grab it, but I guess they didn't stretch far enough for it. Um, and it fell into the bullpen. And um, uh, Brian Hoke, I believe, tweeted out that the bullpen coach uh, ended up with it. The bullpen coach for uh, for the Blue Jays. I'm sorry. Yes, for the Blue Jays. Of course Matt he's going to give it. Of course he's going to give it to Judge. Yeah. And and again, if if you were listening to me o- over the weekend, um, they were estimating that home run number 61 was going to be valued a minimum of five hundred thousand dollars at auction. A minimum, and could could have gone for a lot more. Seven fifty, a million, one point two, but a minimum of five hundred thousand dollars. Two dudes battling for it, um, and it falls into the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen that uh, you know for sure uh, they're going to give to Aaron Judge. So, but here's here's the thing: home run number sixty-two is going to be worth even more money because now he has tied Roger Maris's record. Um, now it's all about surpassing it. Which, by the way, Harvey, our producer, gave me some interesting stats here. So. This will be, so we know this is home run number 61. It's been 61 years, by the way, since Roger Maris set that record. So we're at 61, first and foremost. And then number two, um, there were 31 home runs that Judge hit on the road and 30 home runs that he hit at home, which is exactly how Roger did it. How about that? Exactly how Maris did it. 31 on the road, 30 at home, equaling, of course, 61, and 61 years in the making. 
99, baby. <laughs> That's kind of bizarre, if you ask me. Well, let's open up the phone lines. 800-919-3776. Yankee fans, a sigh of relief tonight. Is it that you're like, oh, okay, thank God this is over. It's great. Let's celebrate. It's fantastic. Aaron Judge hits 61. Now I on the prize. And that is to win a World Series. Now, you know, now can, can some, some load management. Now is he going to, you know, the next seven games, is he going to get a few games off? <laughs> what a season, man. What a season. In a season where he's really playing for his next contract, his next deal. Really, really impressive stuff. So, again, if you're just tuning in, Anita Mark's in for Dan Grossa tonight and on a night that Aaron Judge hits number 61 against the Toronto Blue Jays in Garcia in the seventh inning. More to come. 800-919-3776. Anita Marks with you. 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Aaron Judge hit number 61 tonight in the seventh inning. Uh, so, uh, So just really, really tip your hat really excited really happy for Aaron Judge as the Yankees are up on the Toronto Blue Jays 5-3 right now 800-919-3776 let's take your calls uh, let's go to Sue B in Midtown Sue B welcome in hey Anita I'm so happy for Aaron Judge with the fact that he did in a city where you know he has probably a lot of fans over there too and the fact of the matter is Aaron Judge is the role model and I feel bad because Barry Bonds has a record and it was it was really unfortunate that Michael Kay gave him a platform on his K-Rod telecast the other day because Barry Bond, for what it is, he should relinquish that record himself and give it to someone like Aaron Judge when he does pass it. And that's all I got to say. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, to talk about the, the quote-unquote steroid era. You know, here, here's my take on that. Um you know, really, where 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 the frustration, in my opinion, needs to lie is is with Major League Baseball. Um, because 
Major League Baseball allowed it to be a thing, turned a blind eye, didn't test, knew what was going on, and then all of a sudden, you know, and, and, and you know, and there's some talk and speculation. They did it because it was after the strike, and and you know, they they needed that excitement in regards to the home run um, battle between Sosa and Barry and McGuire and and whatnot. But, you know, when, when you let something go that long and, and now you've got, you know, a, a number of Major League Baseball and professional athletes um, utilizing some of the, the, some of the smartest doctors out there when it comes to performance-enhancing drugs, Major League Baseball then fell way behind in regard to the testing protocols and, and, and testing What's the word I'm looking for? I know I'm struggling for words tonight. I apologize. Um, and so really it became a witch hunt. Trust me that I am certain there was a large percentage of pitchers that Barry Bonds and McGuire and Sosa and that, you know, they went A-Rod that they went up against that we're using performance enhancing drugs. Sometimes I think we, we just, we think of the steroid era and we think about, you know, power and um, hitting home runs, but it was, it's not just that using performance enhancing drugs more than anything. Okay. Because you, you just, you can't just start taking steroids. And then all of a sudden you're, you're hitting balls out of the ballpark. It, it doesn't work that way. You need, you need to have the innate ability and gift and talent in order to do it. When you start taking performance enhancing drugs, yes. Does it make you stronger? Yes. But you need to have some level of ability of hitting home runs on a consistent basis. But then you take it to take you to another level. But also, you know, another thing that performance enhancing drugs do is keep you healthy, keep you feeling in energy levels up and keep you healthy helps repair as well. Wear and tear. Um, lethargic because it, as we know, it, it's, it's a long baseball season and, and there's an advantage there for pitchers. So, I, you know, and, and, and put, put me, I totally agree with the caller now. I'm not, I'm not throwing, I'm not, I'm not taking issue with the call. Okay. I, I understand. And I think, and I think that's a fair discussion to have in regard to Barry continuing to have the record and I get it. But my point being is don't think for a second that there weren't other Major League Baseball players, let alone pitchers, that were using performance-enhancing drugs that Barry went up against. And, and uh, you know, again, we, we have this, this mindset, like it's all about, like, you know, hitting the ball further, hitting it. What about, what about pitching harder? What about pitching faster? What about helping with velocity? 
you know, performance enhancing drugs just make you a total all around complete better athlete, period. And it became a witch hunt. Major League Baseball did not have a great testing pro- program process in, in implemented. They dropped the ball big time. And in my opinion, I still think they're behind the eight ball, no pun intended. I still believe that there are substances substances out there that professional athletes can use that can go undetected. Just my two cents. I don't know anything. It's just my opinion. So I just I, I look at the steroid era. And I've said this before. I, I think I think Cooperstown just needs to say, okay, from this time period to this time period, Major League Baseball did not test for performance-enhancing drugs. And some of the guys we know absolutely positively, 100% were using because they were they positive, and we got them. And, and others we did not. But it, it it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that everybody else that played in played in, in in Major League Baseball in that time and in that era were clean and free. There's there's a large percentage that just were able to escape the system because either they weren't tested at a certain time or they were using something that was undetected or. They weren't tested at all. So, shame on Major League Baseball. You know, and and I'm not defending Barry Bonds. I'm not defending Alex Rodriguez. I'm not defending any of these dudes who who did perform, who used performance-enhancing drugs. I'm not defending them. I'm just saying, I, I just, I, I think the story is bigger than just these guys. So, But more importantly, tonight, we are here to celebrate Aaron Judge for hitting home run number 61. If you're just tuning in, exciting news, Aaron Judge hits home run number 61 tonight against Garcia in Toronto against the Blue Jays. When we get back, uh, we will play that sounder for you. It's great, of course, that Michael Kay was on the call. And we'll take your calls. 800-919-3776. You want to chime in, Yankee fans? Is it a sigh of relief, excitement, and relief that now we can put this behind us? If he hits 62 uh, in the next seven games or six games, where are we at? Seven games. Uh, great. But at least 61 has been accomplished. Now the bigger picture and the more important issue at hand is the Yankees trying to win another world series. So is it, is is it, is it a mixture of excitement for Aaron judge and also a sigh of relief that now this is behind us? At least for me, I would believe that it is 800-919-3776. And when we get back, we'll end the show strong. I'll share with you uh, my picks and my plays heading into tomorrow night's Thursday night game with the Miami dolphins taking on the since the since I can never pronounce it. The Cincinnati Bengals next here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. 
If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. So, Anita, mm-hmm. while we're talking about the Yankees making history tonight, I wanted to find, I found something on Twitter that is also very interesting in regards to Yankees, not per se in the big league level making history, but regardless, they did. So, the Somerset Patriots, I believe they're the double-A affiliate of, if not the triple-A affiliate of the New York Yankees um, down in their minor league system. So what happened tonight is they were in their Eastern League Championship Series, Game 3, the deciding one. They won that 15 to nothing tonight. Oh, wow. Scoring nine runs in the first inning. Jason okay. Dominguez, noted prospect, six RBIs, two home runs. But the best thing about this, the Somerset Patriots threw a no-hitter to win the championship by Randy oh. Vasquez and Carson Coleman, 103 pitches, championship and a no-hitter to do so. Oh, wow. That's really impressive. So a lot a lot of positive things happening uh, with the entire Yankees franchise. Uh, that's for sure. By the way, Yankees up 6-3 against Toronto, um, heading into the eighth. Also for you Mets fans, unfortunately, they're losing to the Marlins 4-2. I have to sneeze. <laughs> Excuse me. 4-2. I might have like nine more coming. That's the number for me. Not sure if you guys have like when you sneeze. Do you have like a certain number that you sneeze in a row? Anyway, so the Mets are the Mets are losing to the Marlins tonight, four two. That's hang, bottom uh, of the hang, eighth. Hang on one second, Anita. The Uh-oh. Mets actually just scored two runs. It's now tied in the bottom of the eighth. First Woo! and third now two outs. Bottom of the eighth, and guess who's up? Looking for sixty two right now. Alonzo. Uh, uh, we wish. Uh, no, it was Aaron Judge, and he just oh no, out. he just grounded. Out I'm, to sorry. Stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to follow you. You're talking about the Mets. <clears throat> so now you're so now you're back on the Yankees. Yes, and Judge was up. He grounded out to shortstop. That's the end of the inning. Okay, so okay, we're all over the place. So you're saying that now the Mets have tied up the Marlins four four. Yes, Marlins okay. tied it four four. Judge no home run sixty two grounds out to short. Got it. Um, and by the way, no one caught number 61. Um, two dudes were fighting for it, and it fell into the dugout for the Toronto Blue Jays, which I'm sure their pitching coach is going to give to Aaron Judge at the end of the day. Um, also, Atlanta and Washington are all tied up at two as well. Just FYI, Mets fans. Let's go to Mitch in East Windsor. Uh, Mitch, welcome in. Good evening. How you doing? How's it doing? Thanks for taking my call. Well, I'm glad. I was hoping... I hope he gets to 65. Maybe we'll start being a hot streak now. Um, but the Houston uh, Astros look like 
going to be the big obstacle for the Yankees to meet my to meet my Dodgers in the World Series. And what do you think about a co MVP, him and uh, uh, Shohei Otani? He's having a great season in his own right too. He might even win the side. What do you think? And thanks for taking my yeah, call. Yeah, uh, Mitch, it's it's a great it's, and I appreciate the call. Here's the thing. In my opinion, and maybe I'm a little biased because I'm here in in the New Jersey area, New York area, with Aaron Judge reaching 61, and if he does win the Triple Crown, I just I think you have to give the MVP to Aaron Judge this year. And again, I, I know I might sign a little biased, and not to take anything away from Otani and, and what he's been able to do this season. He's been absolutely tremendous. I don't know. Maybe they give him a co-MVP. I, I don't know. I just I think for sure Aaron Judge... Absolutely. It's either Aaron Judge wins it or it's a co-MVP. That's that's what I think. That's my two cents. All right, we've got about four minutes left in the show. I'm not on tomorrow, at least here. I'm on in LA. I'm not here in, in New York. So I just want to give you my plays and my picks. And I want to make sure that the line is still um, minus four. For Cincinnati. Yeah. So the line right now, Cincinnati Bengals tomorrow night, Thursday night at home, hosting the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Cincinnati is favored by four. The un- the over-under is at 47. I think this is the perfect game for Cincinnati. I love Cincinnati minus four. In fact, um, if you want to play them, by the way, you might be like, oh, minus four. I can't stand that number. I don't like it either. So if you want to play the Bengals minus three, you could get it at minus 142. What does that mean? It means that you're laying $142 down to $100, but you get the Bengals minus three, not minus four. So if they win by uh, a field goal, you push. They win more than a field goal, you win. But at least you've got the push at minus three. That's what it means. But here's why I like Cincinnati. Um, A few things. Number one, um, I've said this before, because of the new collective bargaining agreement two times over, um, teams just don't practice like they used to. And so it really takes teams a good three to four weeks until we really get a good grip and a good idea and a good understanding um, of who they, what their identity is and, and how good or how bad they're going to be this season. And I really felt like last week against the Jets, I think you know we, we saw that Cincinnati Bengals team that we saw compete in the Super Bowl. What do I mean by that? 17 of their first 21 plays were passing plays. This is not a team that's an even kill. They, they weren't last year. It's all about Joe Burrow. No disrespect to Joe Mixon, but it's all about Joe Burrow. Pass the ball. You know, it's about your explosive offense. You know, you've got Jamar Chase. You've got T. Higgins. You got, you got Boyd. So last week, I, I just, I felt it was the first time that we really, we really saw Cincinnati uh, play their type of, of football. Also, Joe Burrow, great against zero blitz, and that's what the Miami Dolphins play on defense quite a lot. The Miami Dolphins defense has given up almost 500 yards to um, both the Buffalo Bills and, um, and the Baltimore Ravens on defense. So they can be had by Joe Burrow. And more importantly... The Miami defense was on the field for 90 snaps against the Buffalo Bills in 100-degree weather and now are working on a short work week, having to go on the road to Cincinnati. 
Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Uh, to me, I'm still on the fence whether or not Miami is contenders or pretenders. I, I just, I'm, 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 not, I'm not buying it right now. I'm on the fence. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm just not all in. I'm not all in. And I think this is the perfect spot for Cincinnati to win tomorrow night. So I'm going to play Cincinnati. I'll lay the four. Again, it, I, I don't like that four number. I'm just uber confident that I think Cincinnati is going to win by like 10, 13 points. I really do. So, and also, oh, I may, I may have buried the lead here, and that's the fact that two is dealing with a back, an ankle, speculation, a concussion. He's saying it's not a concussion. I don't know. Eyes don't lie. Whatever. So you got Tua who's not 100%. So you might have Teddy Bridgewater either start the game or if Tua can last all four quarters. So um, so that's how I'm playing that one. I'm staying away from the over-under, but I, I will tell you this. I, I do like uh, Cincinnati over 24.5 team total points. And also I love Joe Burrow over passing attempts, passing completions, and passing yards. It's my favorite prop bets heading into tomorrow night's game. 